Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Seward again. Mr. Harker's journal terminates at this point. I now share with you the details of an event that happened in Whitby. One of the greatest and most sudden storms on record was experienced. The weather had been somewhat sultry, but Saturday evening was pleasant. The band was playing, the piers were crowded with people. The winds went away entirely in the evening, and there was a dead calm. There were but few lights at sea. The only sail noticeable was a Russian schooner under full sail that seemed to be going westward. A little after midnight, there came a strange sound from over the sea, and high overhead, the air began to carry a strange, faint, hollow booming. Then, without warning, the tempest broke, and there, with all sails set, was the Russian schooner rushing with terrific speed towards the shore. A searchlight was turned on her, and there, lashed to the helm, was a corpse, its head drooping and swaying horribly to and fro at each motion of the ship, and a moment later, she crashed. Then a strange thing was seen. At the very instant she touched, a huge dog sprang up on deck from below, and running forward, jumped from the bow onto the sand, and making straight up the east cliff toward the graveyard, vanished into the night. The coast guard, going aboard at dawn, found the dead man fastened to a spoke of the wheel, tightly clutched in one hand, was a crucifix. The man must have been dead for at least two days. In the pocket of the dead man's coat was found a bottle, carefully corked, containing a roll of paper. This proved to be an addendum to the ship's log. There was found on board only a small amount of cargo of a most unusual nature. Apparently, the ship carried nothing but dirt, common dirt, packed away in wooden boxes shaped much like coffins. This is the log of the ship's captain. Log of the Demeter, a Russian cargo vessel traveling from the Black Sea to Whitby. On July 6th, we finished taking in our cargo. It is a strange cargo, oxes of earth. At noon, we set sail, east wind, fresh. Crew, four hands, two mates, cook, and myself, the captain. On July 11th, we passed through Constantinople. At dark, we passed through Dardanelle. The mate reported in the morning that one of the crew, Petrov, was missing. Captain, I took larboard watch at eight bells last night. I was relieved by Petrov, but he never came back to his bunk. I believe there is something aboard this ship. <laughs> no, don't laugh, Captain. In the rain last night, I saw someone. Oh? He was tall, thin man. He goes up to the companionway and along the forward deck and then disappeared. I went to speak to him, but when I go to the bow, no one, and the hatchways were all closed. More than a week has gone by since Petrov went missing. We have had rough weather the last three days. All hands are busy with sails. We've no time to be frightened. We passed Gibraltar and out through the straits. All is well. On the fourth night of the storm, we lost another hand. Disappeared. Like Petrov, he come off his watch at midnight, and we've never seen him again. You, take your watch now. I don't take watch alone no more. Nor will I. No more. 
No more do I take watch alone. A double watch. Aye, a double watch. Had single watch tonight, as crew was too tired to double. When morning come... Hey, hey, Anton! Anton! Where are the guns? Anton is gone, like the others. Like all the others. The mate and I have agreed to go armed henceforth. This is our last week at sea. We are nearing England. Weather is fine, all sails set. Captain! Captain! The men on watch are missing! More missing! Now, I have only myself. One mate and one hand left to work ship. Three weeks at sea, two days of fog, and not a sail sighted. At midnight, I went to relieve the man at the wheel. And when I got to it, I found no one there. It's here. I know it now. I saw it. Like a man, taller and thin, ghastly pale. It was in the bows and looking out. I, I gave it my knife, but the knife went right through it. Empty as air. What are you talking it's about? It's here, and I'll find it. It's in the hold. In one of those boxes of earth, I'll unscrew them one by one, and we'll see. He is mad. Stark, raving mad. It's no use my trying to stop him. He can't hurt those big boxes. They're invoiced as common earth. He's there. There, down in the hole. I know the secret now. The sea will save me from him. It is all that is left. It is all that is left. We are but two days from England. I am all alone on my ship. And still the fog. I dare not go below. I dare not leave the helm. So here, all night, I stayed. And in the dimness of the night, I saw it. I saw him. God forgive me, but the mate was right to jump overboard. It was better to die like a sailor in the blue water. But I am captain, and I must not leave my ship. I shall tie my hands to the wheel. When my strength begins to fail, I shall tie to my hands that which it dare not touch, my crucifix. I am growing weaker, and the night is coming on. God and the Blessed Virgin help a poor, ignorant soul for trying to do his duty. As disturbing as this report was, I forgot it for a time. For soon after, my fiancé began to grow ill. I sent a telegram to my friend, Dr. Abraham Van Helsing. Telegram. 
Seward to Van Helsing. Lucy Westenra in alarming condition. Cannot diagnose. Come at once. Telegram. Van Helsing to Seward. I am on my way to you. Please arrange for me to examine your patient immediately upon my arrival. Van Helsing. Ladies and gentlemen, I shall now explain that six months before the events recorded here, I had become engaged to a young lady, Lucy Westenra. We were to be married in the spring. My old teacher and now friend, Professor Van Helsing, arrived the next afternoon. I took him at once to Lucy's house. She lay in her bed, asleep. She was ghastly, chalky pale. The red seemed to have gone even from her lips and gums, and the bones of her face stood out. Young miss is bad. Very bad. She must have blood or she will die. At first I thought it might be anemia, but the analysis of her blood shows that it is quite a normal condition. It is strange. I do not like to think how strange. Look! My God, her throat! Look! The black velvet choker that she always wore on her neck slipped up a little and showed a red mark on her throat. Just over the external jugular vein were two punctures, not large, but not wholesome looking. The edges were white and worn. Well, what is it, Professor? What's wrong with her? Speak frankly, you can tell me the worst. I wish I could, Seward. I wish I could, but I do not dare. Won't you tell me anything? I will tell you this. Your young lady is in danger of a thing greater than death. You must believe me. If you leave her for one moment and harm befalls, you will not sleep easy thereafter. I sat up all night with Lucy. Arthur? I'm afraid. Shh, my dear, you can sleep tonight. I'm here watching you. Nothing can happen. And I promise, at any sign of bad dreams, if I see anything, I'll wake you at once. Will you really now? Of course. That's all right, then. I sat all night by her bedside. She did not wake once during the night, although the tree branches or a bat or something slapped almost angrily against the window pane. I did not sleep. A few days later, I was called away to visit a patient in London. I had no choice but to go. The night of my departure, Lucy was left alone. I went to bed as usual, taking care that the window was closed as Dr. Van Helsing had directed. About two in the morning I awakened. I went to the door, called out. Arthur? Arthur? You shall be flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. When I returned from London, I found Lucy in the hospital. Dr. Van Helsing told me what happened. 
I found her, sprawled on the floor, and there was a draft in the room from the broken window. Her throat was bare, showing the two wounds. We are too late, my friend. We have failed. God's will be done. She is dying? Yes, she's dying. Stay beside her. It will make much difference. Mark me whether she dies conscious or in her sleep. It was late in the afternoon before she opened her eyes. Arthur, my love, I'm so glad you've come. I took her hand and knelt beside her. Her breath came and went like a tired, peaceful child. And then the light from the setting sun fell on her face. And then, insensibly, a strange change came over her. Her eyes grew suddenly dull and hard. Her breathing was heavy. Her mouth opened and the pale gums drawn back made her teeth look large and sharp. Arthur? Ah, my love. I'm so glad you've come. Kiss me. Bend down and kiss me. No! Stop! In the name of God, and for the sake of your living soul and hers, do not touch her! Lucy screamed a blood-curdling scream. And was silent. Lucy! She's dead. Poor girl. Lie in peace at last. The end. Not so. It is only the beginning. Wait and see. Extra special, extra special, Kensington Horror. Extra special. Reported in the Westminster Gazette A Hampstead Mystery. The Kensington Horror and the woman in black are vividly recalled to mind by a series of events that have taken place recently in the neighborhood of Hampstead. Several cases have occurred of young children straying from home or failing to return from playing on the nearby fields. In all of these cases, the children have given as their excuse that they have been with a beautiful lady who offered them chocolates. In each case, the child was found to be torn slightly or wounded on the throat, the wound seemed to be like that which would be made by a rat. Extra special. Or a small dog. Extra special. Hempstead horror. Read about the beautiful lady. Read about the beautiful lady. Extra. Listen to this, Seward, from today's paper. The Hampstead horror. Another child injured by the beautiful lady. We have just received report that another child missed last night was only discovered late in the morning. It has the same tiny wound in the throat. Well, Seward, what do you think of that? You mean to tell me, my friend, that you still have no suspicions of what poor Lucy died of? Nervous prostration following on great loss or waste of blood. <clears throat> and how was the blood lost or wasted? You are a clever man, my friend, and a good doctor, but you do not believe that there are things that you cannot understand. You are wrong, Seward. Are you aware of all the mysteries of life and death? 
Can you tell me why? In the Pampas, there are bats that come at night and open the veins of cattle and horses and suck dry those veins. Hmm? How... On some islands of the western seas, there are bats which hang on trees all day, and then when the sailors sleep on deck because it is hot, the bats sweep down on them and then in the morning are found dead men as white as Miss Lucy was. I understand none of these things. After tonight, Seward, if you dare to come with me, perhaps then you will understand. We will spend the night... You and I, here in this churchyard where Miss Lucy is buried, we will enter the tomb. And then what? We open the coffin. You shall yet be convinced. Take care, Van Helsing. Miss Lucy is dead. Is it not so? Then there can be no wrong to her. But if she's not dead... 